Well, how would you like to do this? Uh, how would you like to preach with 25 kids right in front of you getting suckers? Uh, so I, let, me, let me share the big God story with you one more time. Creation, fall, redemption, restoration. Your children should have received a copy of this when they came in. If not, uh, there should be some more outside. But we want you to be familiar with the story and understand the story of creation, fall, redemption. And, of course, they just shared the Romans Road, um, the scripture for the Romans Road, the children from Bible Drill did, and then Jay just shared uh, a great illustration of what it looks like to know Christ, to receive Christ, and receive the free gift. So as we've talked about that, it kind of leads us to that point. How do we experience redemption? How do we have that opportunity to come to know Christ? And what does that look like? Well, as we look at this, I want to give you a little illustration to help you understand this that I came up with. And I want you to think about it this way. I want you to suppose that you had been, been, had been born on this beautiful, magnificent estate. And there was an owner there who was a multi-billionaire. Everything that you ever needed or wanted, you had. You even had access to a credit card should you need it. But all the food was given to you, all uh, the clothes, all the amenities, anything that you would ever have want or need of were provided. And all that he asked of you was to be faithful. Matter of fact, he said, just keep care over my estate. He would often go on trips and he said, there's only one thing that I don't want you to do. Uh, you know that I have a room of gold coins where I have a lot of my money. I am telling you and telling you now, never take anything. Anything that you need, you can have. If you need to go and get something, here's my credit card. But do not steal. Do not take it upon yourself to take from me. And it seemed reasonable. And you lived for a while. And, and that, that, uh, just that be- the beauty of that estate... You got to enjoy everything that was brought. You never had to worry about food or clothes or how you would pay bills. It was all taken care of. But then one day there was someone who was contracted there on the estate that was doing some work that began to whisper in your ear and began to say, you know, that billionaire, that multi-billionaire would never miss some of his goal. You know, if you had that, you could do your own estate. It could all be yours. You could be in control. You wouldn't have to listen to anybody. And you thought, I don't know, but as you thought about it more and more, finally you gave in to the temptation, and you go and you take a few gold bars, which were worth hundreds of thousands of dollars, and you took them, and you took them out, and you began, you uh, liquidated them, and you had some cash, and you felt alive, and you felt this sense of empowerment that you certainly could maybe do your own estate, and you thought about, if I just got a little bit more, But then in that process, you're discovered. It's discovered that you have stolen hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of gold from the owner. And because of the magnitude of it, because of your relationship, they come in and they prosecute you to the fullest extent. And they go, you will be in prison the rest of your life. And so you find yourself in prison apart from the estate, apart from the goodness of the owner, apart from everything that you ever want. Now you're working hard just to have three petty meals a day, 
just to live in a cell. You realize that you've made a tremendous mistake, but there's nothing that you can do about it. But then one day you hear about someone who's coming, who's preaching this good news, telling these great stories, and you go because you have nothing else to do, and you're just looking for some kind of hope, and you recognize it's the owner's son. The owner's son is sharing this great story and this great news, and afterwards you go up to him, and he recognizes you, and you begin to talk, and you express how sorry you are for what occurred. And the son said, you know, let me visit with my father. Let me see if I can get you out. Let me see if there's a way to get you back to the estate. And so he goes to his father and he pleads on behalf of you. But his father said, no, the law has been broken and there are many, many here on the estate and it's been made clear and I have to have justice. The penalty has to be paid. And the son said, well, father, I will pay the price. Although the the father was very saddened, he recognized he had the ability and he was an adult. He could pay that price if he wanted. He said, okay, son, if you want to choose to take their place, to pay their price, you can do it. So So the son comes to the prison. He talks to the warden. He works out a deal and they exchange his life for your life. You go and you're restored to the estate, but while he's in prison there, he dies. But then something miraculous happens. The prisoners are all set free. Everything is renewed. And the good news is is that the sun has risen. He has come alive. And new life comes to those who have put their trust in him and restored to the estate. Hopefully that gives you a little picture of understanding the creation, the fall that we each have chosen to go against God, to take our own authority, to be the God of our own lives. Until we humble ourselves and recognize Christ and who he is, we cannot be restored. And we learn this in the Romans road. I think this is an excellent method, again, to share your faith. So let's walk through the Romans road starting with Romans 3.23. And what does 3.23 says? It says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone has sinned. We've all sinned. None of us are, have not, none of us are without sin. We all have. The Bible says we've all gone against God. And so that's the first one. We recognize we're not good enough. We're not going to become good enough. We're all sinners. Number two says this, for the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. The cost of your sin is death. Separation from God. That's the cost, the penalty of our sin. The Bible said sin cannot be forgiven without the shedding of blood. But then we come to Romans 5, 8, and it says, but God. That's two of the greatest words in Scripture right there, the great reversal. But God. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. But God, that's such a beautiful phrase because it says this, but God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, while we didn't get, while we weren't seeking him. Some of you have college students or have raised your children. Some of you 
our college students, and you can probably appreciate this, suppose that you have a son or daughter that's off at camp working, or maybe they're off at college, and you've given them a budget of a couple of hundred dollars a month, and that's all they have in their account, and they can't spend more than that. But you, 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 that's your bank, and it's, uh, you're a co-signer on the account, and you see everything that, trends, that happens, and then one day you see up on your computer, overdrawn. Your son or daughter is overdrawn by $150. Now, you have the choice at that point. You can go, well, they'll just have to figure that out. I'm not doing nothing. Or you might say, you know what? I'm going to cover this for them. I'm going to pay it. And so you have the money. You pay it. Debt's paid in full. But your son or daughter doesn't know that yet. And they call up and they go, Dad, I've got some bad news. I've overdrawn my account and I can't pay it. Can you help me? And you say, I've already covered the cost. That's the picture right there. God has already covered the cost. He's waiting for your call because he's already demonstrated his love for you. He's already paid the call. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's the amazing God that we serve. So how do we do this? The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. This is one of the oldest professions in all of Christianity. One of the very first professions people would make at the baptismal pool. They would say, I believe Jesus Christ is the Messiah and that Jesus is Lord. Uh, many believe this was the first profession, the first confessions that Christians would make at their time of baptism. Now, what did they mean by that? That Jesus Christ, the anointed ones, what Christ means, the Messiah, the one in whom they anticipated, the one whom they heard would come and save their people, but that he is Lord. What does that word mean? The Greek word is kurios. Kurios, it means owner. It means the one with authority, the one in charge, master, Lord, Father, the owner. Remember that illustration we used? Jesus is my owner. He is my Lord. He is the final authority in my life. I believe that, and I recognize that He is the authority. He is the God of the universe and if you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. I believe he's the Messiah. I believe he's Lord. And I believe in the resurrection. Now, why is that important? Well, it's important for this reason. Uh, because the Bible said there could be no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. So Christ shed his perfect blood upon the cross. The cross is essential. But then on the third, then he was taken from the cross, placed in the grave. But on the third day, he rose again so he not only paid for our sin he conquered sin and death and rose again so he is lord he is the payment for our sin and he is the great resurrection and forgiver of our sins he's the sustainer of our life a beautiful picture it's just like you know what's going on with with um the thailand soccer team 12 boys and a coach and as many of you know six of them have been rescued but you know how they were rescued it's not because they know how to swim. It's not because they're really smart. It's not because they're in good shape. It's not because they're so good. No, they were in six miles into a mountain, in a cave, with no way to escape, with no hope. 
But what happened? Some Navy SEALs and special divers had to go in. One of them even lost their life uh, a couple days ago. They had to go in, and they did their best to, to show them how to swim. And then they said, look, you're going to have to hold on to us. You're going to have to trust us. We're going to take you through waters. You, most of you, you don't know how to swim. It's dark. You have to stay with us. You need to be tethered to us and believe that we can take you to the light, that we can take you back to your family, to your parents. And so those boys, it didn't matter how good they were, it didn't matter how smart they were, it didn't matter how many deeds, it didn't matter anything. They could not save themselves. They had to be rescued by someone else who had the capacity and the superiority and skill to be able to get them out. And then they trusted them. They could have never done it on, on their own. They were lost in this deep, dark pit with no way to escape, with no hope and with no light. But there were those who said, hey, we will give ourselves to go and rescue them. And we will lead them into the light. That's what Jesus Christ has done for us. So I ask you this question. Have you come to that place where you recognize, I've sinned. All have sinned. I have fallen short of God's perfection. And I know that what the wages of sin are death. But I'm so glad that God has demonstrated his love for me that while I was sinning, while I wasn't even searching for him, Christ died for me. And I now confess with my mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in my heart. And that's not just a simple mental acknowledgement. The Shema, the Jewish most famous, famous scripture for Jew would be the Shema found in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. Hear, O hear, Israel, the Lord God is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. And right here we have our confession that we believe that Jesus is Lord, and we profess him. We believe in our heart that God has raised him. That we believe with our mind, heart, and soul, with all that we are, not just a mental acknowledgement, but with our spirit, our soul, and everything that we are. We commit to him as Lord. We transfer our trust from anything that we could do, good deeds, to what Christ has done. We receive his righteousness, and that's what we call salvation, forgiveness. We are seen as righteous when God Almighty sees us. Have you received that gift? I want to close with this old legend, old tale, old story about this man who had lived a pretty good life, but then uh, as he turned 90 years old, he passed away. He had always been a good, God-fearing man, and he got before the gates there, and as Gabriel was there at the gates, he said, okay, are you ready to come? He said, I certainly am. He said, okay, you just have to pass this one test, and you just need 100 points. Once you get 100 points, I'll let you in. And the man thought to himself, I've been a good man. I've been a righteous man. This shouldn't be too much of a problem. He said, so tell me some of the things that you've done well. Tell me some of your good deeds. Tell me some of your righteousness. And the man said, well, I've been married to the same woman for 55 years, faithful to her. I was always faithful and good to her. He said, well, that's pretty good. That's two points. Two points. <laughs> he said, well, what else have you done? He goes, I attended church every Sunday. I never missed a Sunday. I had my family there. I made sure I helped at the church. I served. I gave. I was there all the time. He goes, that's one point. One point? Goodness gracious. You only get one point for going to church every week? That's three points I have. Anything else? Well, I know what I did. 
I helped start a soup kitchen, and I fed the poor every week. I gave a lot of my money there, and I invited other people, and I helped as many people who were poor as I possibly could. He goes, hmm, two more points. Two more points? That's five points? The only way that I'm going to ever get in is by the grace of God. He goes, you're exactly right. Come on in. (laughs) There's the picture. Most of humanity believe that we have enough points. But God said that the wages of one sin is death. None of us are righteous. We can't count on our righteousness, but we must count upon the righteousness of Jesus. He who knew no sin became sin that we might become the righteousness of God. Have you made that commitment? I want to invite you to make that this morning. Would you pray with me? If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, you've never transferred your trust to Him, I want to invite you to pray with me this morning and say, Jesus, I recognize that I'm a sinner, that I am never going to be good enough to save myself. I recognize, Lord, that even one sin separates me from a perfect and holy God. But you demonstrated, you showed your love for me that while I was a sinner, you died for me because you said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So, Lord, you, Jesus paid my sins. He took upon my sins. He shed his blood that when you would see me, you would see it as covered and paid. And you see his righteousness. You've released me from prison. You've released me from the cave by the righteousness of Jesus. So I put my full trust in Jesus as my Lord and as my Savior. And I receive your gift of salvation, knowing I could never earn or deserve it. It's only by grace I receive. And I say thank you and I praise you this day, Lord, for all that you've done. In the name of Jesus, I pray. If you have not done that, I invite you to pray that right now and make that commitment in your heart to Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Thank you, Lord, that you said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so, Lord, we thank you for those who are calling out to you today to say, Lord, I need you, and I can't do it on my own. I put my full faith in what you have done. I transfer my trust from any of my deeds or anything else to what you have done, Christ, through the cross, through the death and burial, through the resurrection. I make you my Lord and Savior today. In your name I pray. Amen.